Amen. As you're grabbing your seats, go ahead and get your Bibles and open them to Ephesians chapter 4. The goal for this morning is to make it from verse 4 through verse 12, all right? So we've got a lot of ground to cover, a lot of practical things to discuss. Remember, uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3 were building a spiritual foundation for us, right? Paul spent the majority of his time uh, reminding us of of the true things about God, and now he's going to spend chapters 4, 5, and 6 building on that spiritual foundation um, with practical things for the church, right? And so last week we talked about uh, the fact that we're called to uh, walk in a, in a manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called, right? And, and he finished out that section talking about unity, and he picks up in our section this morning in verse 4, uh, kind of in the same uh, spot, in the, in the same vein of thought. And so if you would, read with me this morning verses 4 through 6, and Paul continues on here. He says, there is one body and one spirit Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Um, I'm grateful for repetition in the Bible. It helps me uh, pick up on things, right? Anybody else like I am? It's like I'm, I'm grateful for that. And one of the things that you see over and over and over again in verses four through six is one, a oneness, right? And so Paul is trying to remind us at the beginning of this passage this morning uh, that the church is marked by oneness. Remember, we're, we're marked by unity. We're, we're called to the same purpose together. And I think it's significant that Paul starts here because he's going to shift here in in verse 7 and start talking about things that make us different. So what he's going to talk about is different spiritual gifts, and he's going to talk about different roles within the church, but it's good that he starts here because before we talk about what makes us different, let's remind ourselves of what makes us the same, right? The collective, the whole. So he reminds us that the church together should be marked by oneness. And we're reminded of that right out of the gate in verse 4. There's one body, right? Remember, we learned in the first three chapters that we who were once not a people are now a people. God's taken these two groups, these two entities, the Jews and the Gentiles, and he's brought us together into one body, one collective that we call the church. And that one body is marked by oneness in the Trinity, right? And so he talks about that. There's oneness in the Spirit, just as you were called in one hope that belongs to your call. So you were brought to salvation through the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the great unifier of our faith. And then in verse 5, he talks about Jesus. He says, and there's also one Lord. And because of that one Lord and Jesus, there's one faith. There's one way to salvation. And then he says there's one baptism, And that's unique in the sense that it's the outward uh, union with Christ, right? So our faith is the inward transformation that we have in Christ Jesus. And then baptism is our outward uh, demonstration of our union with Christ. And all of that is a result of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And then ultimately he wraps it up in verse 6 when he says, Then there is one God, right? The Father of all who is in all and through all. And accomplishes all. So God is sovereign in all. So Paul's really, really wanting us to understand this basic principle that the church should be marked by oneness, right? We've got these things that are in common. Now, here's the other important part for us to remember this morning is that we're marked by oneness, but oneness is not sameness. 
okay? And that's good. That's good for the church. Um, and, and we're not the same in, in a lot of respects, right? You can look around the room and see that we all look different. We all have different backgrounds. We, we come from different places. Um, we have different stories before we come to Saving Faith. But God has brought us together, and he's uh, put us as a collective, a body here at Fellowship Olathe. And, and he wants us to remember that oneness is not sameness. So look at verse 7. We've talked about that oneness, but Paul transitions, verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Now, that men there, that we, we see that word, that's not just for, for biological men, right? Like, let's talk about men and women. Think more like mankind. So he's saying, Jesus, through his finished work, He's ascended back to the Father, and he's been giving, or he's given gifts to all believers, both men and women. And so this is good uh, for us as a collective that, that we have this oneness but not sameness. And so Jesus has given us uh, gifts according to his measure of grace for each one of us. And then verse 9 and 10 are simply uh, helping us have further explanation of the giver of those gifts. So it says in verse 9, in saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. That's just a lengthy way to say, listen, Jesus left heaven. He came to earth. He accomplished God's purposes for him while here, right? His death, burial, and resurrection. And when he had completed those things, he was taken back to the right hand of the Father. And he has ascended. And when he ascended, he gave us gifts, all right, according to his grace. So each one of us has been given these gifts, and so there's variety here. So this isn't sameness. We see the same thing in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 6. It reads this way, For by grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, and let us use them. All right, and so this is significant for us to understand as the church. So we're marked by a oneness. There's something that brings us together. There's a, there's a collective calling in our salvation. There's, there's a collective mission uh, that, that we're seeking to uh, be obedient to, right? But, but in the middle of all that, God has demonstrated a variety of gifts, and that's good for the church. He's not made us all the same. He's giving us all the things that we could possibly need to build one another up, all right? And so this is important for us to understand because sameness is ineffective, right? Sameness is ineffective. Think about this. If we all had the exact same spiritual gifts, we wouldn't be effective. We would be ineffective, right? Because we would all be trying to do the same thing. We'd all be uh, trying to wrestle for the same gifts and the same roles within the church, and, and, and that would, wouldn't be the most effective way uh, to approach it. And so uh, sameness is ineffective, right? Variety is good, uh, one of the things that uh, Aaron and I have spent a lot of time uh, talking about this year is football, 
All right, and so uh, Aaron was like a casual um, observer of football games, you know, prior to this year. But one of the things that she told me before this season uh, started, which she picked a, a, a very interesting season uh, to, to start this, she's like, I really want to know more about football. Like she knows, you know, generally the rules and all those things, but she like, I, I want to understand it more, right? And so uh, because OU is so terrible and is losing uh, so much and so often, I've been afforded a lot of time to explain to her things that I normally wouldn't be able to because I would have been so locked into the game, right? But, but one of the things that we've talked about over and over again is that variety on a football team is good, right? And so there's a oneness in the sense that as a team, there's a collective goal, there's a collective mission, right? But if everyone on that team is exactly the same, they are going to be ineffective, right? Uh, when I was a younger teenager, I would get on like Madden and those type of video games and like you could create your own team, right? And I thought it would be awesome if I just made everybody on the team as big as I could possibly make them, right? I'm thinking, listen, if everybody on there is like six foot eight and 350 pounds, then we would be unstoppable, right? What I quickly found out was that that's not a great recipe for success when it comes to football because sameness is, is bad, right? It makes them ineffective. And so as we're discussing these things uh, in regards to football, it, it's good for us to understand that, that there is a collective oneness, there's an ultimate goal, but there's a variety of giftedness, right? And so that's when we're having these conversations. Like it's, it's actually good that everyone on the team is not six foot eight and 350 pounds, right? Because while those are massive humans, do you know how fast they are? Not very, okay? And, and so that's the idea is like God's, God's done the same thing with the church, right? Like he's brought together all of these different people for a collective goal, a collective person or a purpose, right? A collective purpose. And he has done it in such a way that we're not all the same and that is really good for us. So remember that oneness is not sameness and that is good for us as the church, we don't all want to be the same, all right? We, we want to be uh, effective and, and doing what God has called us to do as individuals for the purpose of the collective, right? So what does this mean uh, for us today? I want to camp out here a, a little while because we rarely talk about spiritual gifts in the church, right? And so I want to take a moment, since Paul has brought up the subject, for us to dive into this a little bit, all right? So, so here's the first thing that we need to understand. God has given each one of us unique spiritual gifts, right? And so at the very least, in Christ, you have a spiritual gift, right? Most of you have multiple spiritual gifts, and each person has been given uh, uh, varying uh, degrees of, of these gifts, right? And so this is, again, all for the, the collective, but God has given each one of us a unique spiritual gift. And so before we talk about what they are, let's spend a moment talking about what they're not, all right? Because I think this is important for us to understand uh, as the church, what they're not. So spiritual gifts are not natural talents or learned abilities, all right? So, so this, is, this is different. These are things that are possessed by anyone on the face of the planet, right? Like all people 
have natural abilities. All people have learned abilities, right? So that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about spiritual gifts. And so some of those things that might fall into those categories, like natural talents and abilities, like, like you being really good uh, at a sport or something, like you're, you're athletic, right? Like, like that's a natural ability. Some of you have the natural ability of, of singing or playing an instrument or, or you fill in the blank. Those are still natural abilities that all people could possess, Right? Same thing with learned abilities or learned skills, right? Some of you, um, because of what you do for a living, you have a learned skill, right? And, it, and both, by the way, both of these things can be beneficial for the church, right? It's good for the church to have people that can sing, right? Or at least sing well. Like we like that. It's good for our ears, right? And it's good for God's glory. And, 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 he can use those things. He can also use your learned skills. Like it's also good for the church to have some people around that know what to do with money, right? Or, or to know uh, how, to, how to help lead things or, or have business-mindedness or, or, or whatever your skill set is. People that can make things, right? People serve in unbelievable ways all over this church. They, they make things, they do things, they serve in these ways. But these are not the same as spiritual gifts. So I wanted us to start there and make sure that we all have a good understanding that you may have some natural abilities and some learned skills that God can and will use for kingdom purposes, but they are not your spiritual gifts, all right? So let's talk a little bit about what are spiritual gifts. I'm going to borrow John Piper's definition. So if you want to write this down, I'll read it twice for you, all right? John Piper says, a spiritual gift is an ability given by the Holy Spirit to express our faith effectively for the upbuilding of another's faith, right? A spiritual gift is an ability given by the Holy Spirit to express our faith effectively for the upbuilding of another's faith, all right? So naturally, these are only possessed by believers in Jesus Christ. So like I said, Natural abilities and learned skills, that's, that's for anybody. Spiritual gifts are limited to those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. They're, they're gifts and abilities given to us via the Holy Spirit, all right? And we find in Scripture, in two different places, this is not a, an exhaustive list, but the two most comprehensive lists that we have in the New Testament are found in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, right? And so I want to read for you uh, what these gifts are. So Paul addresses them in these two passages more specifically than he does here in Ephesians. So, so here's the list uh, that, that we have. And again, this is not exhaustive, but in these two passages. The first spiritual gift that Paul recognizes is the gift of prophecy, okay? Second, we see the gift of service. Third, we see the gift of teaching, Fourth, we see the gift of exhortation, or that's really the, the calling out of, or a or, or, or person being able to challenge another person, spur them on in their faith. You can probably think of people like that in your life that God has put around you. They're, they're good at exhorting and, and kind of putting their hand on your back and, and helping you advance your Christ-likeness, right? Uh, number five, he talks about the gift of generosity, right? Some of you may be Curious to find out that that is a spiritual gift, right? Um, so some of you are more naturally inclined to be generous than others. And so he's saying that's a gift from the Holy Spirit, right? He also talks, uh, number six, of leadership. 
Number seven, mercy, right? We all have varying degrees of that as well. Some of you are very merciful. Some of you, you're generous, okay? Um, (laughs) Number eight, he talks about apostleship. And so there's some debate among scholars of whether or not that is solely an office or if it's also a spiritual gift. If you see it as a spiritual gift, you must recognize that it is separate from the office and that the office required a very specific thing. So, so if you believe it's a spiritual gift, you can't believe that God is still calling apostles the same way because what was a requirement of apostleship in the New Testament? That you knew and had seen the resurrected Christ, okay? No one here has seen or done that yet. So, so if you think of it, we've got to tailor your definition to it. So in the early church, the apostles were given as the leaders of the leaders, all right? So think of it in, in those terms, the leaders of the leaders within the church. Uh, number nine, he talks about evangelism, that some have been given the gift of evangelism. Listen, we're all called to share our faith, but some have varying degrees of this giftedness, right? Like some of you might know someone like that. It's like they can just say like, hey, man, Jesus loves you. And the next thing you know, like they're leading them in a sinner's prayer. Anybody have ever been around somebody like that? I know I have. I'm like, man, I would, I would love that kind of giftedness. I know that God hasn't gifted me in, in that way, though. That's not been my experience. Now, that doesn't give me a pass to not participate in evangelism, right? By the way, that's, that's a key thing in all of this. Uh, d- know your spiritual giftedness, but don't. Don't use it as a reason not to practice all of these things in general, right? We should all practice generosity and mercy and evangelism and all these types of things. But we've been given specific gifts in these areas for the collective church, right? Uh, Number 10, he talks about healing. Number 11, the gift of administration. How many of you knew administration was a gift? Talked about in the New Testament. Praise God that somebody has the gift of administration, right? Right? That's the only reason things actually happen is that God has given us people within the church that have the gift of administration. Like they're the ones that are like, hey, that sounds like a good idea, Jeremy, but here's all the steps that we need to do to get there. And I'm grateful for those people, right? Um, Number 12, he talks about the gift of tongues. A little side note here for myself real quick. I want you to know in the New Testament, When it talks about the gift of tongues, it's primarily talking about languages, right? We even see that in the book of Acts when when, uh, the Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes and and Peter preaches and 3,000 give their life to Jesus Christ on that day. It tells us that men and women were able to hear the good news of that message in their native tongue. And God gave gifts to people to be able to share that good news of Jesus with them. Uh, Number 13 it talks about wisdom, right? That's a spiritual gift. Number 14, knowledge. And then number 15 is faith. And, and, and also want to make a, a point here that Paul actually tells us in Scripture that we should, we should pray for these gifts, that we should ask God to, to give us more of these gifts, right? And so that's, that's good and, and it's right. God, help us to be wise, give us knowledge, increase our faith, right? And all of these things, help us to be more generous and, and, and do all these things. But, but these are the comprehen- most comprehensive list that we find in the New Testament. The reason why I wanted to go through all this is I wanted you to see the variety, right? Some of you, some of you might have like nine or 10 of these or, or maybe even more than that. At, at the very least in Christ, you have one, 
of these spiritual gifts. And remember, it was given to you to exercise on behalf of the collective. And so it all starts with us knowing what our spiritual gifts are. So quick show of hands. How many of you know what your spiritual giftedness is? Good. All 15 of you. Um, no, there was more than that. Several of you in here. So, so you've probably taken some sort of spiritual gifts inventory, right? Listen, listen, don't put all of your eggs in the spiritual gifts inventory basket, but, but it is good to know, right? To, to know, God, how did you uh, gift me through the Spirit? What, what are the unique things that you've called me to do? What are the ways that I can most effectively minister to those around me? Out of curiosity, I hadn't taken one in, I couldn't remember how long. So I took one this week. I had Aaron take one. I had both of our oldest kids uh, take one. And so we got back the results. And some of you may be shocked by this. I doubt anybody's shocked by this, if you know me this much. Um, out of this entire list, my top three spiritual gifts came back as apostleship, leadership, and teaching. All right? And number 15 was mercy. <laughs> Dead last. Right? And, and I read that, and Aaron read it, and she was like, man, that's a really good test. You know? <laughs> That, that thing, like, it's, it's legit, right? Like, it, it knows you. And so all that to say is, like, it's good for me to know. And it's good for you to know. And it's good for other people to know, too. Because here's the problem. If we don't know, then what we have the tendency to do is put these expectations on everyone in the church. Or more specifically, at least all of them on the leaders of the church. And that's not how God designed this thing. God, God didn't give me all of these spiritual gifts. Just like he didn't give you all of these spiritual gifts. And so, so what are we to better understand about this? We're, we're to understand what it is that God has uniquely gifted me to do and then ask ourselves the question, am I using that giftedness for the upbuilding of those around me? I mean, that's what Paul is talking about. Remember, there's a oneness that we're to be marked by, but God in his wisdom and his sovereignty, he's created us uniquely and gifted us uniquely so that we would be most effective as a body of believers. So not everybody has the gift of teaching and not everybody has the gift of, listen, if everyone had the gift of leadership, there'd be a problem, right? And God is going to ultimately go on, and Paul's going to go on to say, it's not even just the spiritual gifts, but it's also the roles within the church that God has given unique things for the betterment of the collective. And so it's good for us to know these things and understand, like I said at the beginning, that we're not off the hook for the general practice of all these things. Just because I scored low on mercy doesn't mean that I can be unmerciful, Right? But it is good to know what God has called me to, and it's good for you to know as well so that we don't unfairly try to put on others what our giftedness is or our expectation of their giftedness. Listen, God created us the way that he created us, and he's gifted us uniquely. But his expectation is that each one of us would be using these gifts. Look at verse 11 and 12. So he's coming out of talking about our individual spiritual giftedness, and he talks in verse 11 about leadership, that he's given the church as the same thing, for the common good. Verse 11, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, for what purpose? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And ultimately, that 
with our unique spiritual giftedness was intended for the building up of the body of Christ. So we've been given gifts and we've been given roles for the betterment of the collective, for the building up of the body of Christ. So this third thing here is we see that we are to exercise our gifts and lean into our roles for the common good, all right? So we're, we're all expected to be participating. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 7. He says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So listen, we've all been given gifts, and God has provided us with roles within the church for our common good, for the building up of the body of Christ. So basically all he's saying is this, that the expectation is that everyone is participating. Right? Like that's God's plan for the church. This isn't my plan. I'm sharing with you what Ephesians says. This is God's plan for the church. And in order for us to accomplish what God's called us to do as a church, as a collective, then we each have to be exercising our own spiritual giftedness, right? Everybody participating. And when, when somebody's not, it, it can become noticeable, right? Like it requires all of us. When parts are missing, something is off. And we're not as effective as we should be, Right? And so I was, I was thinking of this last night. Um, Aaron was telling me that Carson came in and asked her if she could play uh, the viola for her. Um, she's practicing this part for an upcoming orchestra concert. And prior to like two years ago, I, I didn't know anything about band and orchestra. I, I just, all I knew that my high school offered was sports, okay? But I'm learning more and more, and it's been fascinating to see how, like, there's a very similar thing that's going on there, like, like, my, my football analogy, my, my sports analogy, some of you connect with that. The same thing can be said about this orchestra thing, right? And so Karsten comes in last night, and she's practicing her part for Aaron. And when you listen to it isolated, it feels like something's missing, right? Like, it's not that Karsten's not doing well. She was doing fantastic in playing her part. She plays the viola. But what we were missing was all of the other parts, Right? And so just like we talked about the sports analogy, the same thing's true for the orchestra. There is a reason why there are multiple instruments, right? I had no idea, but now I know. There's a reason why there's violins and violas and all the other stuff. That's about all I know to this point. But there's a reason why those things exist, and there's a, there's a very specific role each one plays, right? E even within playing a, a certain song. So within the orchestra, they have a role and a part. And when you bring them together for the collective, it sounds wonderful and it's beautiful. But if you listen to one of them isolated, you can tell right away that something's missing. And it's because you were never intended to hear the viola part by itself. Same thing is true for the church, right? Like we have this collective thing. We've been each uniquely gifted, but if we're deciding to not exercise our giftedness, then something is missing. And God's plan is, is for like the, the orchestra as a whole, right? Like for the church to be this wonderful, diverse, beautiful thing where everybody's participating together and everybody is doing it for the common good, for the betterment of each other, right? That's why we talk here all the time about our church being a battleship and not a cruise ship, right? 
It's all hands on deck. Everyone has a role. Everyone has a part to play, right? We don't sit and soak. We, we, we get involved and we do what God has called us to do. So two quick challenges in regards uh, to this point here, that we're to exercise our gifts for the common good, all right? Number one is this. Notice that your gifts are not for you, right? Your giftedness, your spiritual giftedness is not for you. 1 Peter 4.10 reminds us of this again. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Why this is so important is I think sometimes we even get in our minds that, that it's good for us to know our spiritual giftedness because that's what makes us have fulfillment, right? Like, like we feel good about being able to exercise that. And listen, those are good things, but that's not the purpose the purpose of your spiritual gifting is for everyone else around you, right? So when you look around this room, God has uniquely gifted you with a spiritual gift, not for you, but for the person sitting next to you. That's his good and wise plan when it comes to the church. So that's the first challenge, that notice our gifts are not for us. They're for serving one another, for the upbuilding of the body of Christ, right? Right? Number two is this, that we need to be careful that we don't professionalize roles, all right? What do I mean by that? Back to the analogy of all hands on deck, everyone has a role and a part to play. That is what a good, healthy, biblical church looks like. What an unhealthy and unbiblical church looks like is one where everybody gets to hang out and then they get to say, that's what we hired you for, Right? which would be myself and Pastor Brian and, and Pastor Travis. Like we, we've so professionalized the roles and the giftedness within the church. It's like, well, that's what, what, that's what we have you for. No, listen, that's, that's contrary to the word of God. In fact, the word of God would say to flip that around and say, listen, actually leadership was provided for the church. I know this is gonna sound crazy and you may not even like it. Leadership was provided for the church so that we might equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't do anything, but it also means that you have to do something. Right? That, that's a biblical picture in Scripture. And listen, trust me, I get it. It's hard. It's like counterintuitive, right? It's like, wait a second. You mean to tell me that we pay you guys to help us do the work? How many of you been to Walmart recently? You know where I'm going, don't you? Like, own it. Admit it. I've, I've been there too. I've, I had it well up inside me, right? Like while I'm standing in line with 4,000 people to check out and bag my own groceries, I'm thinking, I don't even work here. Like what's this guy doing? He's got a Walmart shirt on and everything, right? And he's manning the five self-checkout lanes that they have open, right? And, and so... It's easy for us to, to get there because it's, it's counterintuitive. When we show up to that, it makes no sense to us, and, and it naturally wells up. Same thing is true with the church. And that's why it's so easy for people in the church to show up week in and week out and go, man, listen, do, anybody seen Incredibles in here? Listen, do something amazing. Like, I just keep showing back up to just see if, if they do something amazing. Like, that's not even what God called us to do here. Listen, I'm no more gifted spiritually than you are. 
Now, I may have a very specific role within the collective here, but it doesn't make me any more significant. So that goes both ways, right? That, that's our good and healthy understanding that God has called all of us to exercise our spiritual giftedness for the common good of those around me. So those are the two challenges for us when it comes to exercising those gifts. Remember that they're for other people and that they're not limited to a select group of, of individuals within the church. We honor and glorify God. And listen, the, the real truth is this, is that if everything was left up to us pastors, nothing would get done. Nobody's laughing too hard. That was actually Pastor Brian. Good, good. I'm grateful that it was one of those pastors. Somebody was cracking up in that point. But it's, it's so true. It really is. And so I say all that to say, first off, thank you. Thank you for being a church that does practice this biblically. Right? So, so, so don't hear this as, as like a, a beat down. This is, I, wanna, I want you to hear this as an encouragement. Continue to do this and continue to do it not for me, but for the Lord. Again, that's where we're, we're putting our gifts into practice. This isn't even serving us as the pastors here. This, this is serving the Lord. We're all serving the Lord together. But we do it by leaning into our unique spiritual giftedness and to the role in which God has placed us in within the collective here. And when we do that, man, we are most effective and we are most honoring and glorifying to God because that is the way that God ultimately designed the church to function. And that's our challenge here this morning. It's a good practical reminder for us from the Apostle Paul that you're to be marked by oneness Remember that oneness isn't sameness and that every single person is called to exercise the gifts that God has given you. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. God, we thank you for the challenge that we find in it. God, and we thank you for your right and good plans. God, for all things, including the church. And so, God, I pray this morning that you'd be with us and, God, that you would help us to honestly evaluate where we're at on this, God. Maybe for some of us in the room, it's just simply understanding more about how you've gifted us. And maybe for others, God, it's, it's, it's getting involved. And I don't mean just in service, God, in some ministry area. I mean just using our spiritual gifts for the upbuilding of one another. God, we need leaders. God, we need those that are merciful and we need those that you've gifted with generosity. And God, we need those that you've gifted with service. God, so that we might best glorify and honor you. So that we might be most effective in reaching Olathe with the good news of, of Jesus Christ. So God, I pray that you'd help all of us to lean into this. God, help us to see that we all have a part to play. I pray that you give us courage and boldness to do whatever you ask us with that. And we pray this in Christ's name.